title of my message today is this, and this will be in Romans chapter 8. This will be on the screen. If you have a Bible, if you would open it now, Romans chapter 8 in verse 1, a little bit different message on this Pentecost Sunday. We believe in the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We believe in that encounter that Jesus prophesied and Jesus taught more than anyone else that believers should be endued with power so that we could do the work of the Lord. But my question to us today is, after we have received this endowment of power, what then? What is it that the Lord wants to do in our lives? And so in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read the first about 11 verses or so here, 10 verses And I want to title this message, The the Believer's Life in the Spirit. Not just a one-time encounter, but how many of you know the Lord wants us to live a life in the Spirit, a life filled with the power and the presence of the Lord. This is God's plan for us. Romans 8 and 1, uh, Romans 8, the scholars that we study have realized that this is one of the mountaintops of Scripture. Some, some have called it the Mount Everest of the Word of God. As we reach this point where God says, this is what I want to do in your life, and this, what, this is what happens when Christ comes in and his presence fills a life, this is what's going to take place. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How many free people do we have in this place? For what the law could not do, it's emphatic, it could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's what he did on Calvary. He dealt with sin at Calvary. Look at this next verse. For those who live, verse 5, according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit. This is, this is where the title comes from. The believer's life in the Spirit. He says, reading again, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You hear that? You are not in the flesh. Something has transpired in your life. Now, let me be clear here, because I'm not going to come back to it, I don't think. This, these phrases, in the spirit and in the flesh... We're not talking about a, a, someone who's a Christian who maybe every once in a while manifests fleshly attitudes. We're talking about two complete conditions here. We're talking about those who are saved in the spirit and those who are lost 
in the condition of the flesh. They are lost. They are, un- they are not redeemed. They do not know Jesus as their Savior. We're talking about two different destinies, two different conditions, two different relationships related to God. Verse 8 again. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You're not in the flesh anymore. You're in the Spirit now. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and that if indeed is not if, it's an f- emphatic statement. You, you do have the Spirit of God in you. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. You can't be saved without the Spirit. Any for it, now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not saved, meaning he's not, meaning he's not his, he's not even saved. And if Christ is in you, he's in us, the body is dead because of sin. But, but and later on, he's going to talk about what God's going to do with our body. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Wow. We just got on a big slick bank and we slipped all the way in, the deep end, didn't we? Amen? Come on, let's swim in the deep end this morning. Let's get out of the shallows. Let's get in the deep end. We are in the, this is the deep end of scripture right here, but always oh, isn't it glorious today. The believer's life in the spirit. I begin with this statement. And don't, don't say anything before I get through with the other part of the statement, okay? Don't say, oh, me. When, when, don't say, oh, me when I say the first thing. First, first thing I want to tell you this is that Christianity is not hard. Don't say anything. Don't frown. Christianity is not hard. Here's the next part of the statement. It's impossible. Christianity is impossible. You say, what do you mean impossible? No one can live for God in their own humanness. No one. There's not one human. Well, there's one. There's one. Come on, there's one. And he is the focus of our worship today. He is the focus of our proclamation today. He is the focus and the head of the church. And there's one, Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly. Christianity is not hard. Christianity is impossible. Anyone who tries to live for God out of their own humanness or out of their own self-will, no matter how sincere they are, they're always going to end up in Romans 7. Remember Romans 7? Romans 7, as I look at Romans 7, Paul is illustrating a man, I think it was maybe Paul's life under Pharisee, trying to live for God. He knew the law was good. He was a man of the law, as every Pharisee was. He knew what God's Ten Commandments said. He knew what the law said. He was an expert in the law, but there was something, there was a problem in his life. He couldn't keep the law without Jesus and the Holy Spirit being in him. And he ended up saying what? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Why do we always end up in Romans 7 if we're trying to keep God's will on our own? It's because of this. Here's the reason. Because of the law, because of the law, the law of sin and death. And I'll tell you what that is. Because the law of sin and death cannot be overcome by any human being on their own. The law of sin and death that operates 
in, in this world, in the hearts of lost people, the law of sin and death cannot be overcome by human willpower. There again, there again, no matter how sincere a human being may be. But there is one power and one power alone in the universe. There's one power alone that can reach down through the gospel and through the person of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, and through the mighty work of the Holy Spirit that can reach down and take a person out of the clutches of sin and death and bring them out of the law of sin and death and bring them into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. No, verse, uh, chapter 8 and verse 2 says this, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. And death. What is the law of sin and death? As you read Romans, it talks about law, law, and sometimes it just says law, sometimes it says the law. What is the law of sin and death? To me, the law of sin and death is synonymous with what, Rome, what Romans 1.16 says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein the gospel, righteousness of God, is revealed from first to last. What is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? It's the mighty power of God through Jesus Christ who takes the gospel, who takes it, you know, who, who reaches out to believing sinner and redeems him. Here's what I want to tell you today, and here's what we're going to look at today. When a person places their faith in Jesus Christ, something glorious happens. That person doesn't remain the same. That person spiritually is taken out of the kingdom of darkness and they are brought in to the kingdom of God's dear son. And they are at that moment in, in the spirit. Paul said something kind of like this in Galatians 2.20. Now this is one of the great verses of the New Testament. He says this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I died. Paul is saying... The old Saul is gone in a sense. The old us, the old person we were in Adam is gone now. We died to that person. We died to who they are. And it says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Would you say that with me? Christ lives in me. You understand, Christianity is something amazing. No person of any other religion could say that their founder lives in them. But Christ lives in the life and heart of every believer through the power of the Spirit. But he says this, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want us to look at Romans 8 this morning. And what I want to list for you is some things to me that characterize what Paul is teaching here about the believer's life in the spirit. I think what we have outlined here is that characteristic of every person who's coming to a saving knowledge of Christ and the spirit of God lives in them. Do you want to know about this today? You want to see what it is? I'm going to list them. Maybe you'd be wise to write a few of these down. I want to go back to verse 1. I'm going to walk through this. Paul describes here this believer's life in the Spirit. And there's, there's four or five of these that I will give you today. Are you ready for them? Say amen. amen. All right, here we go. 
First of all, I'd say this today, this believer's life in the spirit, it is a life, and I, I won't take too long on these first two, but the first thing I have to say is this. The believer's life is in the spirit. Verse one says this, there is now no condemnation to those who are in, and you should, if you write in your Bible, you should underscore this, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Say that with me, in Christ Jesus. The believer's life in the spirit is a life in Christ Jesus. Jesus. God has an answer for, for this world. The Lord has an answer to the brokenness, to all the ills, to all the sinfulness and all of the things that are going on. And it's, it's an answer and it, it, there's only one answer and it'll always be, it was the answer in the past for the New Testament church, for the first century church. It's the answer today and tomorrow and a thousand years from now, it'll be the answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, Jesus is the answer to our lives today. Everything that we need is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't need Jesus plus anything. We don't need Jesus and religion. We don't need Jesus and philosophy. We don't need Jesus and some kind of other mysticism. I'm telling you that in Jesus Christ is the great spiritual resources that God wants to open up to us. It's in Christ See, when you came to Jesus, the answer to your need was in Jesus. The next day, it wasn't another answer. The next day, Jesus. The Bible said it's faith in Jesus from first to last. Every day with Jesus. I was say sweeter as the days go by. Paul said it in another place this way. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, in the realms of the Spirit. Everything we need is in and through Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus that he says in verse 3, Romans 8 and 3, look at it please, for what the law could not do and that was weak through the flesh, our flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, likeness, not sinful flesh, likeness, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that means this. That through what Jesus did on the cross, our sin debt was paid. You're going to have to pay your sin debt one way or another. And you'll notice as you study the religion of the world, they have no answer for sin. They have no answer. There's a universal guilt of sin. That everyone has a conscience. You can take someone that's never had a Bible they, they know internally, intuitively, because God has created a judge on the inside of us. It's called conscience. And I can tell you this, unless the conscience has been seared, the conscience agrees with the Word of God. The conscience agrees with the Holy Spirit. We all had a sin debt. What are you going to do with your sin? We all kind of, you know, self-righteousness is a terrible thing. It's one of the worst things. And we all think we're a little better than we are. Until we slap up the Ten Commandments and we start going through the Ten Commandments and then we start looking at our lives and then we realize that we're worse off than we thought we were and we needed someone to wash our sins away. I believe a lot of the drug addiction today is people that don't know how to deal with their sin problem. They're empty, they're tormented, their conscience bearing witness against them. 
They drink, they, they party, they, they, they take drugs. They just want a, a moment of peace. But I tell you where peace is. And that is the blood of Jesus can bring peace to us. Do you remember when Jesus came in? Do you remember the load that was lifted off of you? Do you remember that moment when you realized that your conscience wasn't accusing you anymore? Why? Because Jesus didn't theoretically take your sin debt. He washed your sins away. You're forgiven now. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. Those things are part of your past. They're not part of your present anymore. We are clean today. You are clean today. Why are you dragging up stuff? Why are you dragging up stuff? Why are you helping the devil? Come on. Why are we helping the devil? Why do you let him open that file that God locked a long time ago? Those sins are gone. There is therefore right now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven. You're in Christ Jesus. Your sins been dealt with. Hold your head up. Live like it. Act like it. Talk like it. Relate to God like it. The reason he says, come into my presence. See, the blood and the spirit give us access to the presence of God. We have real righteousness today. We don't have it. Now, there's a lot of people that have fake righteousness, works righteousness. But that's not real righteousness. That's fake righteousness. That's substitute righteousness. The righteousness that God offers us through Jesus is a righteousness that can get the job done. It gives us standing in the presence of God as if we've never sinned. Though we have sinned, but yet because of the blood, because of Jesus, when you're in Jesus, oh, hallelujah to God. Think about it. It's only through Christ that we could live by the Spirit. It's only through Christ that we can walk in the Spirit. It's only through Christ that this Spirit-filled life, this life of freedom and joy is possible. Everything in Christ is wonderful. Amen? Everything in Christ is good for us. Everything God is unwrapping to us in Christ is great. Outside of Christ is a horrible place to be. Outside of Christ is lostness and emptiness and bondage and drivenness. Outside of Christ is hopelessness. But in Christ is joy and hope and victory and usefulness. And could we go on and on? The life, the believer's life in the spirit is a life in Christ Jesus. And I've already mentioned, I got ahead of myself. The second thing it is, is this. The life in, in the believer's life in the spirit, and I've said it and I'll elaborate on it a little bit, is a life of no condemnation. No condemnation. See, Genuine life in the Spirit begins and ends with Jesus. It is Jesus who is our life. It is through Jesus that we have his saving life, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's, he's mediating his Spirit today to us. We have a great high priest. And, you know, we don't, and I said this not long ago, we don't talk about Jesus' ministry today enough. We talk about his death on the cross. We should. We talk about his resurrection. We should. But what's he been doing for 2,000 years? He's been leading his church. He's been blessing his church. He's been watching over his church. He's been building his church. He's been mediating his presence. He's been growing his people because he's our great high priest. He, just, he didn't just sit down and do nothing. He's ever lives to make intercession for us. 
And Jesus is the one that gives us saving life, but he also gives us spirit-energized life. And in this life, there's no condemnation. Simply put, let me quickly move on. Simply put, the, the, the life of the believer in the spirit is a life of no condemnation. Hear this. There's therefore now no condemnation. Simply put, it means this. Jesus took the penalty for our sins, and we are no longer, if we are truly believing people, and we're saved, born again, that means that we are no longer under the sentence of eternal death. We're no longer under that sentence. We're no longer condemned with, a belie- with an unbelieving world. See, what most Christians don't know, you are very different than people. That, those that are in the flesh, those are in the spirit, those are just light years away. Those are light years away. And you don't stand condemned anymore. Now, there is a judgment for sinners And I won't elaborate long, but I will tell you, and I will be clear with you, because we will preach the word of God in this church. And this is why we must reach people with the gospel, because there is a day when every person that has ever lived and graced this planet and breathed God's earth and ate God's food and lived under God's providential mercy and grace and enjoyed God's son, yes, you in. In all the blessings that God gives generally to humanity, there will be a time for every person who has rejected the message of salvation through Christ alone. That every one of those, they laugh at it, they, mock, they may even mock me. There may be, you may mock me. I don't think you are. Come on, don't mock me. Not in the house of God. Let that be out there. They laugh at such a thing. But there will be a day they will not laugh. There will be a day when the books will be open, Revelation says, and there will be a throne of God's judgment. And for every person that's name is not written in the book of life will be cast in the lake of fire and they're going to be judged by their works. The facts will be unleashed, but there's another judgment and that's for Christians, but it's not a judgment to determine salvation because that was settled at Calvary when we said yes to Jesus, but our judgment will be a little different. We could call it an evaluation. It's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be evaluated and judged by how we serve the Lord. By the motives of our heart. By how faithful we were. By how responsible we were. By how what we did with what God gave us in his gifting, in his blessing. We will give an account to the Lord. Paul said this in Romans. Paul said in Romans 14, we must all give an account before the Lord. We must all stand there. Romans 14, 10 and 12 through 12. We must all stand and give an account to the Lord one day. He was talking to Christians. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I am grateful today to tell you that this life in the spirit is a life in Christ He's the only one that can give it to us. And it's also a life of no condemnation. But if you will look back in Romans 8, verses 2, you will see that number 3, it is also a life of freedom. Think about this. Look at this. In verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit, notice the freedom, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Look at verse 4. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now think about this. It's in Christ that we're not only free from sin's penalty, 
but it's in Christ that he annihilated and defeated sin's power. And so therefore, Christians, our practice is different now. Do you get that? Our practice, we've been changed. We can't help but practice something different because Jesus is on the inside. So think about it. What is this freedom that he offers? What is the believer's walk in the spirit? What is this freedom? What is this power that's available in our life? I'll tell you, it's the power to overcome all sin. There's not a person in this room that can tell me a sin Jesus can't conquer. You can't name a sin. And the Bible names a lot of sins. I mean, there's some what they call Greek vice list. You know, Paul starts listing all these, like, you know, he lists 20 or 30 sins. And it's called a Greek vice list. Very common in ancient language. You can name all those dirt, dark and dirty sins that dominate people's lives. And I will tell you the power of the spirit of Jesus Christ is more powerful than that sin. He could break the power of sexual immorality. Say amen. He can break the power of drug addiction. He can break a spirit of lying. He can break things over people's lives because this book that we preach from has power in it. It has delivered. Just like God delivered the people out of Egyptian bondage, the Lord can deliver us out of the power of sin and darkness. There's a freedom in this. And, and the, reason, this, the reason that Paul said in Romans 6 and 1, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says in verse 2, certainly not. And the phrase really is, uh, perish the thought. That's kind of what he's saying. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul said, perish the thought. And the reason he says that is because he says, he's saying in a sense, do you understand what's happened in your life? Do you understand that Jesus lives in you? Do you understand the awesomeness of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? Do you realize he's brought you out of spiritual death and brought you into the grace of life? He's saying, listen, this is a life of freedom. You've been set free. And that's what that, see, here's where the warfare is in our minds. Satan does not want you to get it. Paul said in Romans 6, reckon, reckon yourself this, reckon yourself that. That's an accounting term. You remember what I'm saying? I don't have time to go to it. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Reckon yourself alive. The reckoning is an accounting term. I know we have some financial folks here that have that background. It's an accounting term. And what it means in a sense, I'm paraphrasing, but it means calculate, the, calculate everything. Look at all the checks and balances. Look at all the facts on the spreadsheet. And then when you get down to the total, that's what you have. That's the facts. That's what you have to live on. And Paul is saying, in a sense, get to the facts of your life in Christ, and you're going to realize you are rich. Live like you're rich. Live like you're free. Because you are free. Satan may say, you're not free. Say, you liar, get out of my life. Devil, get out of my life. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to Jesus. This believer's life in the spirit is a life of freedom to overcome sin. That doesn't mean that believers can't sin, but it means we don't practice sin. And we've all sinned since we've been Christians, but I don't live that way. I don't stay, come on, I don't stay that way. We need to be like a ball. When we fall, we just bounce back up again. We bounce back up to God. We run up to God. If you failed the Lord this week, run up to God again and ask him for his mercy. He will abundantly pardon. Why? Because I am free from that dominating power of sin. You are free. You can live for God, but not on your own. It's the, 
It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This made me free from the law of sin and death. We're free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because Jesus has made us free. Oh, glory. Somebody, I'm going to preach long. I'm going to preach till you get it. You better get it. If you're hungry, you better get it. Here, here's, this, is, this power, this freedom is not only a freedom to overcome every and all sin, but it's the freedom to obey God. It's the freedom to obey his will. Think about it. Look at verse 4. It says that the righteous, Jesus has done all this, and he said because of this, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in in who? In us who do not walk according to the flesh, not self-effort, but what? But according to the what? But according to, is that a little S or is that a big S? That's a big S. So that's Holy Ghost, right? That's Holy Spirit. So that tells me this, that you can obey God. That tells me that you can obey what God has taught in his word because the person of the Holy Spirit lives in us and he lives in us to empower us to live the life that pleases God. I believe we please God when we yield and obey his will. We have this presence in us. We can overcome every spiritual enemy because of the believer's walk and life in the spirit. Wow. You see how rich this is? I'm barely scratching the surface, and it's, I'm just like, whoa. What a wonderful life we have in Jesus. We're free from sin. We're free from condemnation. We're free from the guilt of past. We're free from the bondage of sin and death. We're free from hopelessness and lostness. How could you be lonely? Jesus is with you every moment of the day. We're free from satanic power. Now think about this. What kind of life is this? This believer's life in the spirit. It is a life of worship. It is a life of warfare. And it is a life of witness. Verse 5 says this. For those who live live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded is death, verse 6. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither neither indeed can be. What I want you to see is this. In verse 5 it talks about those those who live according to the spirit. See, this is, this is our worship. These are the, we have set our minds on the things of the Spirit of God. This is a life of worship. This is not just, listen, this is not just a worship service. This is a life that we've set our mind on the Lord, that we, we're worshiping him. We, we've set our mind there, not just an hour or two on Sunday morning, but we are, we are living in the atmosphere of God, of God's presence and the Holy Spirit of God. Set our minds there. Here, here's what I tell you. True believers invest their lives in spiritual things. It's not hard to see a Christian, but you see their mind, you see their heart, you see, their, you see the bent of their lives. And the Bible says there's two ways to sow. We can, Galatians says you can sow to the flesh, which will bring destruction, or you can sow to the spirit, which is life and peace. 
and believers that are walking in the Spirit and walking with the Lord and been redeemed, I tell you, there are those who invest in their, in, in their spiritual lives, and there are also those who pursue spiritual things. This mindset of, of seeking after the Lord and wanting more of Him, but it's also a, a life of warfare. Lest you think we're going to slide unto heaven without any problems. We all know better than that, don't we? Come on, amen. No, look down. Look at, uh, look at verse 5 again. It talks about those who, those who live according to flesh, set their minds there. Those who live according to spirit, set their, uh, the things of the spirit. Look at verse 13. We're going to for, forward ahead a little bit. It says, for if you, this is the Roman Christians, if you live in the flesh, you will die. But if, but if, you, uh, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Sounds like a little bit of warfare is going on there. Amen? And you will warfare. There's a warfare. There's a battle. I mean, to live this life that God wants us to live, it's not easy. It's not easy. There's going to be some, a lot of blessing, but there's going to be some warfare, saints. You hear me? Okay. There's a, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Our enemies and the, the, the point of warfare is this. It's unredeemed flesh. Our, our, yet, our yet unredeemed bodies. The world and the devil. This, this is the front. This is, this is the battle front of the believer who walks in the spirit of, spirit of God. It's a, it's a, it's a life of worship. It's a life of warfare. It is also a life of witness because it says those who live, everyone say live. live. Those who live this way. See, in other words, it's, and then it talks about in 89, the, the spirit of God dwelling in you. I can tell you this, if you're living a certain way and the spirit of God is living in you, this is a very visible witness to a watching world. And this believer's life in the Spirit is a life of witness and warfare. And it is a life of worship. And I close with this. Verse 10, 11, it is a life of eternal hope. It says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now, I've, 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 I've ministered enough funerals to know that's a true fact. I know people that love Jesus with all their heart. And yet they're not here physically any longer because the body is dead because of sin. If, there's not a, if, the, if the Lord doesn't come before we physically die, we will do your funeral or you will do my funeral because this is what sin has done to our world. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And, and we've been dying ever since. The story of humanity is a story of a funeral in a sense. Death that stalks the human race. But that fear has been taken out of our hearts as believers. And the reason is because he took the fear of death out. Fear has no death, or death has no fear over us. Now, now think about this. It says, but the spirit is light because of righteousness. Verse 11, I'll close with that. And if the spirit of him who raised him from the dead, Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. He will quicken, give life. To your mortal bodies through the, 
through his spirit, through his spirit who dwells in you. I hope I've been able to communicate this clearly, that the believer's life begins at Calvary, but it ends in glory. It ends in heaven. It ends with a body very different. You know, we're, we all have people we know right now that are sick in body. There are people in this room right now that need a touch in your body. And I can tell you this, there's going to be a body that you get one day that's going to be different. It's going to be renewed. It's going to be a spiritual body that's not subject to sickness. But until that time that we stand in the Lord's presence, we have to yield ourselves to Christ every day. I'm grateful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for my prayer line. I'm grateful for the endowment. I'm grateful for the anointing. It has been one of the most significant events of my life. But after you receive that endowment, you, we must live for God. We must allow the Spirit of God to fill us. I want our band to come. I know our time is getting away, but I want you to, with me to take a moment here. We're going to get quiet in the presence of the Lord. We're going to get quiet in the presence of the Lord. The Spirit of God dwelling in us. The Spirit of the Lord empowering our lives to be what He wants us to be. There's no condemnation for us. We're not ever going to be judged by God that way. Jesus took all that judgment. And it's through Jesus in dealing with that it enables us to be the temples of the Holy Spirit. All of us need, all of us, I believe this, all of us need to yield more deeply to Christ and allow His Spirit to work in our lives. There's one answer, and that's Jesus. And Jesus is our is our baptizer in the Spirit. Where do I go to get my spiritual thirst filled? Remember what Jesus comes to me. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus is the giver of the Holy Spirit.